0: I just love hearing that soundtrack. And my thanks to Phil Lager, who's made that happen. You might hear a little quote in there, some of you. It's a quote of the tune, from the tune oh boundless salvation come roll over me it's in there so check out phil's music you can find a link to him here on the more to the story podcast in my show notes we're so glad that you've come along for this episode this is a combined episode with a life-changing discipleship with matt Friedman, and we're going to do some introductions here as it comes along but i'm so thankful for you being a part of this community and we look forward to sharing this content with you
1: hey friends great to have you with us today remember the place for a man for a woman completing all their powers is in the fight and right now today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned and stay encouraged. We've got a rendezvous with destiny. And if that's a little bit different of intro for you, it's because you are a more to the story podcast guy with Andy Miller, who's here with us today. Absolutely. And we're doing this kind of jointly, right? Yes,
0: Absolutely. All right. Combine the two podcasts.
1: And ours, of course, is the life changing discipleship podcast with Matt Friedman. So we're going to throw out a couple of advertisements here. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to do mine first and I'm going to let you do yours. Well, first off, uh, I'd really like for you to check out uh, the 5QDiscipleship.com quick startup Guys, Some of you have been hearing about this 5Q Discipleship. uh, And and by the way, uh, Andy has done some 5Q Discipleship group. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really going well. Thousands and thousands of uh, people are in this group all across the world right now. And we just want you to get in on it. So if you're wondering, what is this? You can check it out at 5Q, the number 5, the actual number, 5QDiscipleship.com, and uh, get a quick start guide. And I think if you get I, I showed it to you it yesterday, Andy. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And it gives you the cards necessary to have your own group. And this have is free, Matt. Ah uh, yes, oh, it no. is free. I, it, do free, do free I do free things. I do free things. Yeah, and then of course, if you want to buy something, and some people say, you know, I I like this thing so much, I want to buy something. Well, you can go and check out the book, uh, the Five Q Method of Discipleship at Amazon.com. So that's my ad for the day. And, and Andy, I'm gonna t- tap into
0: your five because I like emphasizing the number five. So you have the five Q. Okay. I have five steps to deeper teaching and preaching. So, whether this is, is a little guide, it's an eight-page PDF document and a 45-minute teaching that's available from me. It's something that I take, like, my preaching students through to help develop content mm-hmm. in a way that inductively approaches the Scripture, but creatively thinks about how to present to an audience that we're serving. So, that's available if you sign up for my email list at andymillerthe3rd.com. Andy Miller, I-I-I.
1: I'll go ahead and commend that to you. First off, Andy's a tremendous communicator for my side of the audience. His side of the audience, everybody knows that. My side of the audience here, you may not know that. And Andy is a great communicator, knows how to put things together, and teaches preaching at Wesley Biblical Seminary. Which is our sponsor as well, right? Yeah, we, Wesley Biblical we, Seminary. We ain't here. If them, <laughs> that, that's for sure. So, anyway, great stuff. Listen, I like to usually talk about an issue before we get Let's to the it, thing. Yeah. And you are the thing today. Uh, well, thanks for saying that. So, so we're going to do five discipleship principles from the book of... and I, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, (laughs) but we're going New Testament today, Yes, and it's your wheelhouse, so we're excited about that. First off, real quick, I want to get to this. I saw an article in Christianity Today. Uh, I actually was zipping through today and saw this. I thought, isn't that interesting? Uh, And the the name of the article, Andy, was Our Pulpits Are Full of Empty Preachers. Mm. Tens of thousands of pastors want to quit, but haven't. So what's going on? And uh, when I thought of that, I- empty preachers, I, I thought of T.S. Eliot, the hollow man, the empty man, blown to and fro by the wind. Mm. And this is what the, the CT article said, that apparently um, in January of uh, 2021, 29% of clergy had thought about quitting. Mm. But less than a year later, 38% were thinking about quitting. Wow. That's stunning. We're right. talking about a third and more of our clergy out there thinking, wow. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Now, this is what, and by the way, everybody picked up on this. The Washington Post picked up on it, the Wall Street Journal. They're calling it the great ministry resignation that they think is on the horizon. Yeah. But this whole article is 25 pages long. Uh, they say it's reason to think that the more likely alternative is that pastors aren't going to quit nearly so much right. as that and that's even more right.
0: concerning empty, pre- empty preachers it's concept that title is really interesting our pulpits are full of empty preachers normally you think our our pulpits are empty right you think the pulpits being empty but it shifts that language to say empty preachers okay let's go real quick I'll just yeah, yeah. off at
1: the top of our head why uh, you've done a significant amount of pastoring i'm a, currently a pastor I've right. been, been doing it for uh, 22 years as a, at the at the current church i'm at why are guys apparently burned out, yeah. gals as well, why are people burned out and thinking about quitting?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because as this has happened, this has been a phenomenon. Some people call it the great resignation, that what's happened since 2020 as a result of COVID. I think some people see that as a cause. But as this happens, you wonder what is leading people to that place. But the challenge for preachers, and I've heard this from many people, I've made a transition in that period as well. I didn't transition out of ministry or out of preaching, but I left full-time kind of like local church ministry for serving in a seminary. And so people have talked to me over the last year wondering about that change. The challenge is there aren't many places for preachers to go. I think that that's part of why people aren't, there might be people who are thinking about leaving, but aren't leaving.
1: Yeah. What do I do if I don't do this? Right, right. I mean, you go to school for this, you get trained for this, you do this for a while, and guess what? There's not a lot of other executive positions that are going to want you because you've got church experience.
0: Right? Absolutely. And, and while that does have executive experience and skills that people have learned, it's not easy to convince people in the business community that that's a transfer, but also like the fulfillment of it. Like, I think one of the challenges, and maybe you're going to get to this, is that why, why are people in a place where they want to leave? Well, there certainly are pressures in the local church, but at the same time, is there something happening with the empty preacher? Like, why are we empty? Mm. And I think that that's probably the thing that needs to be challenged the most okay
1: I I think the reason for this is going to come right out of our five things I would do if I were the burned out pastor right now yeah and uh, how to hang in there when you just feel like I want to quit yeah and I think these five things I think are tremendous antidotes I want want you to speak into them the first one actually I think all of these are obvious none of them are rocket science but we're not doing them Mm, that's it so you can say all you want about vitamins and minerals and a right. healthy diet, but if you're not eating a healthy diet, knowing about it isn't yeah, really helpful. That's right, right. So these are things we know about. We're just not doing them. First off is what, what we call the means of grace, and that's yes. basically the spiritual disciplines of having a regular uh, time with the Lord every day. Uh, you know, Jesus, we suspect, had three times of these. Three times they would go to the temple during the day. If they couldn't get there, they'd stop wherever they were. They would face the temple, mm-hmm. and they'd go through a list of benedictions and a, a tack on a prayer. All Jews were doing that at the time of Jesus. We know Jesus was doing that. So three times a day for him, probably something that equaled uh, an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. That was normative for Jesus, and he had an extraordinary <laughs> life where yeah. if you're not doing that, you're going to get burned out. But what I'm fascinated by is the number of pastors that will say, well, I'm not really doing that.
0: Right. In, in the last year since I've been serving this role, I've done more events for pastors. And I'm often surprised at how many people will admit, just like freely offer it up, that they don't have a personal quiet time. And I think one of the antidotes to this is seminary education. The seminary education in the spirit that we offer here at Western Biblical Seminary. If somebody comes through our seminary program, they are going to be put in a position that in order to get a good grade, in order to get a, past a class, they need to have a regular quiet time. They need to be able to spend time in scripture. Right. And, and when you ask people, and like, honestly, if a pastor's listening to this and they're wondering, like, I'm feeling burnout, I honestly ask you, how is
1: your quiet time? Right. Do you have one? Are you spending time with the Lord daily? Right, so the means of grace have two sides of them, as far as we can tell. Uh, The the first side is piety, so the works of piety. The piety of prayer, it's uh, uh, searching the scriptures, it's fasting, something that almost no American does. Right, It's regular fasting, and for the early church and for the early Methodists, that was twice a week, Mm. Wednesday and Fridays, they fasted. Uh, So it's fasting, it's scripture meditation, it's being in a small group and in a large group. They call it Christian conferencing in the day. But on the whole, what that meant was I'm part of a regular fellowship and part of a small group. So that's the works of piety. The other one I think is too often neglected are the works of mercy. Yes. To go to some place in your community where there are desperate and needy people and spend an hour or two a week. Yeah. And those two things together... It, it's powerful. That's how you can be with Jesus. Yes. And, you know, the works somebody say, not work with Jesus doing a work of mercy, all contraire. Mm. And as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Right. You want a personal relationship with Jesus, go serve him in the poor. Yes. And that personal relationship will be magnified. Yes. So I just would say the works of mercy, the works of piety, we, we call together the means of grace are exceedingly important for all people. Right. Let alone pastors that feel out, uh, feel like they're burned out right now. The second thing I would say is this: I think every pastor needs a pastors group. Mm-hmm. And by the way, by Zoom, this is easier than ever before. Absolutely. Twice a week, I, I don't know why I, I get to have two of these, but I have two excellent. One's a, a, a basically well, actually, the both former students that feel more like peers to me. But on Monday and on Friday, I get together with two cir- uh, groups of pastors that fortify my soul. Yes. We do a 5Q group, by the way. Okay. But in that 5Q group, we're doing real sharing and confessing, and these are my struggles. It's a yes. beautiful thing. Well, let me jump in, because one thing I think it would be helpful for people
0: to think about, particularly lay leaders who are listening to these podcasts, you might say, well, what does this have to do with me? Here's, as a pastor, I loved it when my the people I was serving, I I try not to say my people, but they would come to me and say, how are you taking care of yourself? Yep. Uh, Here's what you, are are you, look, I'm glad to put that out there. And if you can encourage people to, you can encourage your pastor to make sure this is happening and even provide some accountability to your pastor.
1: Yeah, and forget about your pastor. Do Do it for you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. L- yeah. Listen,
1: th- this is important for le- that. That's going to be the kicker. But you got, I'm sorry, you got to the kicker before the kicker, and that is, if you want to be an awesome layman or a non-burned-out layman, yes. do these Amen. things. Amen. Amen. You need a group of people you can get together and share with. Uh, the third thing is simply this, and it's going, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. But stay healthy. Get healthy. Hmm. You know, uh, we all could lose some weight. Uh, for the most part, most of us need to lose some weight. Uh, we probably need to start eating better. Uh, we need to get more sleep. That, that's just a healthy dynamic there that is so. Less TV. Is that uh, one of your points uh, too? No. Uh, uh, drop
0: uh, off the maybe maybe say I don't need to pay for uh, Netflix. I'm uh, uh, gonna.
1: Get- hang on, just a minute, boy. You you stepped on something right uh-oh. there. Oh, I got screen, Matt going. Screen time of all kinds. Yes. Do the screen time you need to do, not the screen time you want to do. Right. Uh, we got a new book coming out here real soon called "The New Discipleship in the Home." Has a whole chapter on that. Okay. And if you want to destroy your kid's brain, give them a screen and say, "Have at it." Wow. Yeah. But the uh, same thing, I think would go for us. Good, good stuff there. The the fourth thing is, you've got to have a good theology of God in order to stay in tune to the pastor or or to your lay uh, work, and, and basically that means. You need to know that you're surrounded. Uh, gave a gave a sermon on this to Wesley Biblical Seminary a lot long ago. You are surrounded. So when you get into Christianity, know you're surrounded by evil. Mm. You're surrounded by the devil. You're surrounded by his demons. You yes. are surrounded. A lot of people get into Christianity, or by extension, they get into the ministry thinking, man, this is going to be so great. <laughs> You know, this is just going to be joy and love. And and when I go into the pastor, my people go, now, they might not like the last guy, but the last guy can't preach like oh, I can preach. Oh, you man. Know. Wait till they hear me. <laughs> wait till they hear me. Wait till they get a hold of my personality. Everything's going to go great. And they forget something. You're surrounded by evil. Mm. Now, it might not mm-hmm. be your lay people, but sometimes it is. Yeah. But you are surrounded. But the good theology comes to this you have a greater surrounding. Yes, amen. And God, and so. In the Psalms, for instance, there's that word surround, 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 and it talks about both dynamics. You're surrounded by evil, surrounded by difficulty, surrounded by the devil himself, but you are surrounded by God. Amen. You're surrounded by truth and righteousness, and you've got to recognize, boy, when I signed up for this Christianity thing, or when I signed up for this ministry thing, I signed up to be surrounded. Yes. Yes.
0: I love that. I love that imagery. I'm surrounded. If we can uh, pull that power into these difficult points, I think that that's what God can use to help us so we're not empty pastors.
1: So um, well, one last thing here. We need to become a people of thanksgiving. Mm. So this is, I, I shared with a discipleship group not long ago. You know, I've started a new discipline. I've, I've decided I'm going to write down every morning three things I'm thankful for. So start doing it, and I shared that with them. And they, uh, one of the guys was a former prisoner. He said, well, I'll tell you what I did every morning. He says, say? I, uh, before my uh, feet ever hit the floor, I would—he went down on his knees, so his feet hadn't hit the floor yet. His toes had—his feet hadn't. He said, before my soles hit the floor, I would give thanks to God for 20 things. Amen. I said, wow. well, <laughs> 20 is better than 3, no question about it. Then I read something awesome, and uh, it was this— and you're not going to get any meaning out of this at all when I read it. But it's Exodus 38, verses 27. The 100 talents of silver were used to cast the bases for the sanctuary and for the curtain. 100 bases for the 100 talents, one talent for each base. You're thinking, excuse me? Hmm. There were 100 sockets that served as a foundation for the sanctuary. Hmm. So ancient Jewish wisdom started teaching. Therefore, Wow, Matt. there. Sweet ought to be a hundred blessings coming out of your mouth every day because that's the foundation for holiness mm. i started to try to do that do a hundred hundred okay i'm going down the road thank you lord jesus for the color green thank you lord jesus for the red light that says stop that is the rule of law i thank you for the rule of law wow. thank you god for when you say go because that's one of the chief words of the new testament thank you for going and i just start thinking stuff I just let my mind drift and go, and wow. it's 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 a blast.
0: Oh, I love it. So Okay, what a 3 to 20 to 100.
1: And uh, do that 100 times a day, and uh, your mind starts thinking on a whole different level. So check out that 5qdiscipleship.com uh, quick start guide. I think you'll really like that, uh, folks. That's one of the ways you can stay healthy is do that with other pastors, do that with other laymen, do it with other people. And sometimes, uh, Andy, I've got like— uh, seven or eight of those groups going a week. Wow. Feeds Amazing. my soul. I'm excited to have you on the program today because, Andy, you are going to share with us something we've been doing uh, across the last several uh, weeks of this program, and that is five things out of a certain book of the Bible yeah. that are discipleship lessons for us today. Right. So you happen to be an expert on the book of Jude. That's right. Jude. <laughs> Now, how many verses does Jude have? It's only 25 verses. So the can whole you squeeze five disciples out of
0: Jude? I did Deuteronomy a few months ago, so that was a, a little easier. I had a lot more material to work with.
1: Okay, we're going to bracket this with start first start off saying you're doing something right now, the book of Jude, that is an offer to people, right? Right, absolutely. This has
0: been an interesting thing. I never dreamed that I would come to love this little book so much. But I'll tell you, Matt, before I started to study Jude, I had a jude list. Christianity and I've got to tell you I just love this book yeah I and and part of the reason here's what my experience was with Jude I would read it in my quiet time once a year probably one day I would read it and it'd take me two minutes to read it. And i read the beginning, read the end, look at the middle, and the middle was crazy to me. And I'm going to bring up some of that craziness. But if you get behind what Jude is trying to do, what he's trying to communicate to his audience, I found that's incredibly powerful Good. for our time. So that's part of uh, my uh, there Michael Green, an apologist from the UK, was somebody I found really interesting. He said that as long as sin is rampant, as long, and he has this long list of problems in the world, he says, the letter of Jude will be, Uncomfortably and burningly relevant.
1: Wow. Okay, so you are offering this. Oh, right. No, no, that's okay. Well, let's set it up. At the end of this, you're gonna we're gonna tell people how they can plug into this for their small group. Well, individually, for the small group, or for the whole church. That's right, yeah. So I have a, I have a study
0: that's available, the Third.com. and so it walks people through its five hours of content, discussion guides, discussion forums, uh, that leads people through this book. So, you know, I talk about it. I'm going to talk about it here, like, in five to ten minutes. Right. But I have five hours available um, at my website.
1: So Five discipleship principles from the book of Jude, number one, Andy uh, Miller. The very first
0: one is flexibility. Now, these kind of blend together, discipleship and spiritual formation altogether one of the things that people don't realize about jude that's incredibly helpful is that jude did not want to write this letter Hmm. he starts off by saying in verse 3 dear friends although i was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share he said i wanted to do this he then says i felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints and then he goes through all of these challenges. Now, look, this is relevant to us at this point because particularly as it relates to the sexual revolution and the way our society is trending, mm. I don't want to be somebody who has to talk about issues of sexuality on a regular basis. I don't want to talk about, rather or not, truth exists in the world. The, look at the challenges of modernity, postmodernity, where our culture is. But you know what the the job of the disciple is? Is to live in their time. Mm. That God's called us to this point. So we have to be flexible in these days i would rather write about the salvation we all share but instead because of the situations that have come and what the situation is in jude's for jude's audience is that a group of what richard bacham calls itinerant charismatics have secretly slipped in and are promoting kind of this a big word antinomianism but the idea that our faith are uh, that god's grace is a license to sin that God's grace just gives us, and I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace.
1: I like this thought. I don't want to deal with this issue, but I kind of got to.
0: You have to. So yeah.
1: I got something like this in my life. Okay. You know, there's a Supreme Court case recently <laughs> that uh, overturned Roe v. Wade. You don't want to talk about abortion. No, yeah. who wants to do that? And who wants to show up out at the abortion clinic? Now, that abortion clinic in the Supreme Court case was here in Jackson, Absolutely. Mississippi. Yeah. It's not three miles from my house. Right. I don't want to go out there. (laughs) That's not, you know, I'm a respectable guy. I don't like to do these kinds of things. Right. And you go out there and people don't like you because you're out there. I'm not sure. They take pictures of you. You know, I've been out there as soon as they get out there
0: taking pictures of my children. International
1: media stuff. It's just crazy. But, and I'm not gifted for it. That's Hmm. not where I'm gifted. Sure, sure. And yet, there's the issue. Right. It's, it's three miles from my house. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be leading a people to topple unrighteousness in our culture. What am I going to do? Yeah, that's contending. You do it anyway. You contend. You get in that, and
0: that's the same thing we deal with with all kinds of issues. We can list them by the hundreds. But with abortion, with sexuality, yep. it's a, it's a pastor's job. It's a it's a disciple maker's job to be able to engage the people they're discipling about the nature of human sexuality as it's revealed in Scripture.
1: Flexibility is number one. Number two.
0: Keeping. Keeping. This is a word that's underrated in Scripture, but it's a word that comes all throughout Jude. Now, I can say all throughout, even though it's 25 verses. So he (laughs) begins by saying to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept— Mm. for Jesus Christ. And then later he contrasts this by the way he talks about the angels. He says they did not, the angels who we would assume become demons, who are fallen angels, did not keep Mm. their proper positions. And so then he, he then says something later. He says, they have been kept in darkness. But then at the end of the letter, he uses that word keep two more times. He says, it's our jobs to keep ourselves in the most holy faith. Now, this kind of emphasizes this dual focus that we have god's initiative in bringing us to a place of saving grace but we have a role to in the relationship a relationally significant task of keeping ourselves maybe through the five things that we just talked about that pastors need to do keeping ourselves in the most holy faith and then he concludes in a great way that mostly people the way i knew jude was through the last two three verses now to him who is able to what keep you Hmm. and what is what can he keep you from stumbling and this is the powerful message that you and i believe that there's never a time in our life where we have to sin why because if we allow god to keep us we
1: do not have to fall hmm. into sin good word good word. what's the shepherding implications of keeping oh interesting
0: yeah yeah so there's also this side uh where the the keepers you know have a responsibility to ensure that people we're serving are protected you know this is one interesting thing like jude didn't want to write this letter like, he had, to, he had to fight for his people. The shepherd has to occasionally take the staff and hit some wolves in the head. Hmm. And I think that that's, a, that's an implication here, is that Jude had to
1: step up and decide, I'm going to protect this, this group. I'm going to keep them in the fold. Yeah, I like, I like both emphases. You need to do some things to keep yourself, by the grace of God, in his hand. Right. But you probably need to have somebody looking over your life, Right. right? Also, you need to be looking over someone's life. So yes. I, I guess that's trifold. So good stuff. Okay, so first discipleship principle: flexibility. Second discipleship principle from the Book of Jude: keeping. And Number the three. Third
0: is connected to keeping, and I, you're, I think you're going to love this because it's the works of piety, works of mercy, mm-hmm. snatching snatching mm. now what do i mean by that interesting thing that happens as we get to the pivot that comes in jude in verse 20 after he kind of describes a problem that exists he then says but you dear friends you need to keep yourself so we just talked about that well keep is the main verb in that sentence and then there are four participles that support that that verb and you can it could be translated with an ing, ing. so how are people kept by building mm. praying waiting or, or hoping, looking for something. And then the final thing that he says, it comes in verse 23, save others by snatching. So how is it that, and, okay, snatching them from the fire. So this is where Fanny Crosby gets the idea in rescue the perishing, you know, snatch them in, in pity from sin in the grave. Um, my denomination, the Salvation Army, talks about like the, our call to save other people. We need to snatch go do some work, like snatching Helping people to lead to a place of getting out of hell, quite frankly, is a part of the way we're kept. So it's not just in building, praying, hoping, but also snatching. Snatching is a key part of the Christian faith. So, uh, how do you do that?
1: How do you snatch?
0: Oh well, I think that this is this is a challenge. We need to witness. Yeah. We need to tell other people. We need to do what we can to contend for the souls of people who are around us. And I say souls is kind of a, a picture of the broad person as a whole that we believe that if if you affirm that there is such a thing as hell in the world that that will come at some point rather whatever form it might take right like we want to save people from hell and so for the discipleship spiritual formation emphasis is like you're not being a disciple if you're not snatching
1: you need to snatch other people from the the direction of moving towards hell i just think it's interesting there there's a number of ways you could snatch you could physically put your hands on people and snatch them you could yell at them to snatch them you could i think the most powerful weapon to snatch someone is love
0: mm. well of course jude says snatch them from the fire to others show
1: mercy mixed ah, with fear very nice snatching
0: isn't just like yeah snatching is a loving act
1: yeah it is a loving act and sometimes it might include yelling or <laughs> <laughs> grabbing you know but on the whole I, I think a love is a powerful powerful weapon to actually for all these things flexibility keeping snatching they're all covered by love and one way or another. Okay, number four. Or number four. This is so good stuff. This good is where stuff, it gets a little
0: complicated, but this is what keeps people away from Jude, is the verse that talks in verse nine. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you.
1: What's going on? I
0: know. This is the craziest <laughs> verse. Like, didn't you remember? Did you teach your kids to memorize this verse? I
1: uh, never... I, no.
0: Okay, so here's what's happening. Like, there's, and if you want more on this, I actually talked with Caleb, your side, Caleb Friedman, Dr. Caleb Friedman, and I have 45 minutes that I offer in this session where we talk through the, oh, the Jewish sources that lead to this. But essentially, there was a Jewish document that existed that was called the Assumption of Moses that details the fact that there was likely this moment where Michael, the archangel Michael, and the devil disputed Satan's body. But here's the point is that michael was clearly in the right in this moment he could have done anything he wanted to to say like he had the authority to say to say no you're wrong in this situation but instead what is it that michael does he says i'm gonna lean on the lord and not my own understanding he said the lord rebuke you He comes in this situation where he doesn't depend on his own experience. So discipleship for us, and as we're serving other people, we don't depend upon ourselves. Instead, we rest in the judgment. We rest in the Mm. way that God has already revealed himself. So we say, the Lord rebuke you. And and when there's problems in the world that we can't control, we're going to contend for them as best we can. But ultimately, we depend upon the justice of God.
1: Wow. So I I love this because— just on a very practical level, there's some things that I, Matt Friedemann, can't do. Mm. I can feel about them. I can pay attention to them. But at the end of the day, there's not much I can do about it. It's nice to know we get on a whole... Higher plane. Higher, That's so, why I say higher plane. Yeah, you didn't say that word yet. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so it's flexibility. It's keeping. It's snatching. And get on a higher plane. Right. And know that there is a God that is taking care of business. There's a higher truth than you. Mm.
0: And so, like, we want to land a, high, a higher plane as I have found. Lord, plant my feet on solid ground.
1: There's a song.
0: I know. It sounds pretty good, doesn't That's it? That's very nice.
1: That. Yeah, okay. So, you're doing great. All
0: right. Now, it might not flexibility, be
1: Flexibility, keeping, snatching, get on that higher plane of truth and... Number, Number five. Eight.
0: Now, you're going to have to let me explain this. Don't abuse angels. Uh, <laughs> what? No. Okay. But in the very same way, verse eight, on the strength of their dreams, talking about these people who have secretly slept in, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings.
1: Heap huh. abuse on celestial beings.
0: Don't abuse angels. Now, now we have to get back in that idea of what Jude's audience would have thought about angels. Now here I'm gonna get I'm gonna break this all down. I do it in a long way in my recent study, which will be a book hopefully in a few months as well. Uh, Jewish the Jewish understanding of angels were they were the ones who delivered the law delivered the written word to Moses. And so you even see this in Stephen, like he, and in Hebrews 2, Stephen in Acts 7, talk, like acknowledge the fact that the New Testament understanding is that the the law given to Moses came through angels. So if that's the case, if angels delivered the law, and if these people are living as if, god's grace is a license to sin they don't need the law right they don't need any of the things that god has already prescribed god's written word that they can live by themselves then the idea is that when we live outside of the law it's as if we are hurting Hmm. abusing the messenger and the message itself wow so that that's kind of like and I, I go into this in greater depth to explain this, but the idea is like if we are going to heap abuse, like if we're gonna, if we are going to move against God's law, it's like we're hurting angels. Wow. So you know, it's live within God's law. That's it. So the idea is God has revealed Himself clearly through the Scripture, of the Old and New Testament. It's the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. So when we move against that law, we're putting ourselves in a position where we are in grave danger.
1: Flexibility, keeping, snatching, get on the higher plane and don't abuse angels. And some of you are thinking right now, man, I just need some more teaching on that. And, and guess what? <laughs> we have an opportunity for you. So tell them one more time yeah. here how but they can plug into the Andy Miller exegesis of the book of Jude. That's right. So it's called contender. It's a six week study
0: with 25 to 30 minute lessons that are video based. And then you can, um, you can get this for your small group, your, for your church as a whole. And we walk through this. And if you think I went through it too fast, I explain it in a little bit more lucid way. Well, six week way. Yeah. Six weeks. So we have some time to walk through this. And I think it's really powerful to help us be contenders for our time. So it's going deeper in the book of Jude. So thanks so much for letting me plug that here, Matt. Always an honor to
1: have you, and I, I like doing these joint podcasts. You, you yeah, like these, okay? I do. I
0: do. I, do you like it?
1: Yeah. I, no. I th- listen. Any exposure I can get to the more to the story <laughs> podcast audience is a it's it's a boon of a day for me.
0: And the same thing with Trent what, disciples. What are you doing? See, <laughs> you don't even know the name. <laughs> you have a paper It's life changing. Di- life changing discipleship.
1: Life changing discipleship. <laughs> discipleship podcast, Andy. And uh, listen, if you want the quick start guide, five key discipleship dot calm.